Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio Wednesdays at 5pm for Brainwaves, Melbourne's drive-time radio show, giving voice to people with mental illness. One in five have a mental illness, but five in five can enjoy this great program featuring heartwarming stories, great information and some laughs as well. Find us at 3CR, 855 on your AM dial. Sponsored by Mental Illness Fellowship of Victoria. Welcome, you're listening to Brainwaves on 3CR, 855 on your AM dial. My name's Rose and today I'm in the studio with Kate and Kathy. We're talking to Dr. Rebecca Segrave, Research Fellow and Clinical Neuropsychologist from the Monash and Alfred Psychiatry Research Centre about her research and the Decastella Fun Run on this Sunday. So Rebecca, can you um, please tell us about Mepasi? Um, absolutely. So MAPRC is a mental health uh, research centre and we're part Monash University and part Alfred Hospital. And we, uh, our, we have a wide range of research streams that are all really centred around developing new treatments for mental illnesses. Um, two of our primary research areas are women's mental health. So we have a very productive group that looks at gender differences in mental health and mental illness and tries to develop um, in particular new treatments for um, women's experience of mental illness. We know there's a difference um, between the genders, often in um, age of onset of different mental illnesses and response to medication. So that team's done some excellent work in looking at things like oestrogen to treat symptoms of schizophrenia um, and association between hormonal treatments like the oral contraceptive pill and depression. Another one of the large areas that we look at at MAPRC um, is our brain stimulation team. And I'm a member of the BrainStim team and we investigate new brain stimulation based treatments for a wide range of mental illnesses, depression, schizophrenia, obsessive compulsive disorder, autism spectrum disorders. Um, and my work within the team is really focused on new treatments for depression. Yep. And can you tell us a bit more about um, the your, your your sort of research that you do in Mapasi? Yeah, sure. Well, look within the within the brain stimulation team, um, we investigate four primary different brain stimulation techniques, and we do two things: we test them in clinical trials to see how well they're working to treat mental illnesses, and then we also do experiments to see how can we refine the way that we deliver them to get a better outcome. So, how strong should the stimulation be? How many pulses do we give, etc. The technique that we've um, that started it all off and that we've done the most work on is called transcranial magnetic stimulation or TMS. There's lots of acronyms in our work, um, and so TMS is a is a treatment that delivers very focused pulses of electromagnetic energy um, to the brain. So if you think about when you're a kid and you used to um, move a paperclip around the table by putting a magnet under the table and the paperclip on top of the table, that magnetic energy can pass through the, through the table to get to the paperclip. In the same way, if we deliver really focused pulses of magnetic energy to the head, it can bypass the scalp and the skull. And when it comes into contact with those cells on the surface of the brain, it activates them, it causes them to fire. So that's what TMS does. And if we give fast pulses, we can increase activity in a region of the brain. And if we give slow pulses, we can decrease activity in that region of, of the brain. 
Rebecca, we're not talking about ECT here, are we? No, look, that's a good question and it's a question that most people ask. It's very different from ECT. Mm. Um, so the primary differences are with ECT, um, the, the goal of the stimulation is to generate a seizure. Okay. And so that's the primary goal, and it's the seizure that's thought to have the antidepressant effect. Mm. We don't generate a seizure with TMS, and we um, screen people to make sure they're not prone to seizures. Yep. Second one is that with ECT, people go into hospital and they have a general anaesthetic and they receive the treatment in hospital under an anaesthetic. Okay, so it's quite it's quite a full-on procedure. It's a more medicalised. Yep. It's a more hospitalised procedure, whereas TMS, people are awake and alert. They come in, they sit in a very comfortable reclining chair, <laughs> um, and so there's no need for, for anaesthetic. And the the, the final um, difference is the kind of stimulation that's given. So with ECT, we give an electrical current um, and because that uh, electrical current meets with resistance and the scalp and the skull, that um, uh, shunts all the way throughout the brain. But with TMS, because the pulses are magnetic, they can be more focused and just stimulate really focal parts of the brain. Rebecca, could you give us a, a brief rundown of the other forms of brain stimulation that you're working with at MAPRC? Sure. So we're working with um, a really strong form of TMS called MST, Magnetic Seizure Therapy. So it tries to do what ECT does. It tries to generate a seizure, but using really focal magnetic stimulation. And we're hoping that that might have the antidepressant effects of ECT, but without the cognitive side effects. We're looking at um, a very gentle form of stimulation um, called direct current stimulation or TDCS, transcranial direct current stimulation. And that uses um, a very gentle electrical current that's applied to the surface of the scalp through a positive excitatory electrode and a negative inhibitory electrode. And again, we try and increase and decrease areas of the brain depending on the illness that we're trying to treat. And the final technique that we're investigating in is called DBS or deep brain stimulation. And that's a technique that's used very commonly now to treat movement disorders like Parkinson's disorder um, and is now being investigated as a possible treatment for mental illness and it involves surgical implantation of electrodes into the brain. I think we were talking about that a bit earlier. So yes. it's, it's, a, it's a permanent implantation, is It right? is, absolutely. So you have um, very, very small stimulating electrodes um, surgically implanted into an area of the brain that's thought to be critical for that illness. Mm. So in Parkinson's disease and movement disorders, it's movement-related areas. Yep. And with depression, we look at uh, more depression-related areas of, of the brain. Those electrodes are then connected to wires that um, are fed under the skin, down the neck, to a battery that's implanted into the chest. And that battery can be controlled via an external remote control device to, to determine um, how the stimulation is given, how strong is it, how fast are the pulses, how big an area of the brain is getting that stimulation. So when we work out what the best frequencies are, there could be potential for us to move with the periodic nature of depression and, and give a varied amount? Is that Look, that's a really good question. We're not quite there with that yet, but yep. yes, that would be fantastic. <laughs> um, and that's, that's certainly our, our next step. What's really interesting is that the right frequencies and the right intensity for me will be quite different from what they are for you. Mm. And we're all really individualised in our neurobiology and also our experience of illness. Yep. So there's a really long process of trying to find the right parameters um, for each person. Um, but yes, hopefully, absolutely, we can get more sophisticated as we move forward with the technology and do those kinds of things.
Mm. It's got the potential to personalise it a lot better. Look, absolutely. And I think all of these brain stimulation techniques, what's really encouraging is there's so much scope for personalisation. Where exactly in the brain you stimulate, how strongly you stimulate, um, what frequency you stimulate at. The optimal settings really are going to vary a lot between people. And at MAPRC in the brain stimulation team, a lot of the experiments we do are trying to figure out how to personalise these better. So we know what my settings are versus your settings are and how can we tell when the person comes in for their first appointment, ah, this person needs 11 hertz frequency, this mm. person needs 9 hertz. Um, and and that's, that's really that goal, so we can make it as individualised and also as effective as we can for every person. Wouldn't it be great if it could be like your blood type? Um, you yes. Know, 1,200 megahertz or whatever. That would be wonderful. Positive. <laughs> We're working on it. Yep, absolutely. Oh, and just um, on another question from that ECT, so... This um, brain stimulation research that um, you're working on, it's a lot safer than ECT? The the one that we're we're trying to compare directly to to the MST? Um, Sorry, it varies a bit technique by technique, but yes, um, from a cognitive perspective. So often one of the things that makes people really wary about ECT is that potential that it might have cognitive side effects so that they might have memory impairment or um, problems with their thinking skills. All of the early evidence for the MST is that there are no cognitive side effects. We have not seen any evidence of those, um, which is fantastic. But what we now need to do, that now that we're quite confident that we're not seeing those cognitive side effects, is we now need to find out, well, is it as effective as an antidepressant treatment as ECT? Because we know ECT can be really helpful for some people. It can be a really effective treatment. So um, we're working out how to best give the MST to get the maximal antidepressant effects. With the TMS, and I'm sorry, there's all of these side effects. So TMS mm-hmm. is that one where people are awake in the chair coming in to see us every day. It's the more common um, variety. It's a really very safe technique. Um, so in terms of side effects, what we might get is some um, what you call sight discomfort, which is really when the pulses tap on the scalp and it feels like a tapping. We've had one patient refer to her TMS as her woodpecker. She felt like <laughs> her woodpecker was sitting on her shoulder tapping on her scalp. I feel, I've had TMS. All the staff have had TMS. We experiment on each other. It's an <laughs> occupational hazard of working there. Um, but for me, it feels like a little elastic band just flicking on the scalp. And you can get some contraction of the muscles in that area, so you can get a bit of tenderness on, on the scalp. About 5 to 10% of people might experience a mild headache, the kind of thing you'd take a Panadol or an aspirin for in general. Um, and the only serious side effect associated with TMS is its potential to induce a seizure. Um, that's very rare and when it's given within safety guidelines um, almost unheard of and all of our treatments are given within safety guidelines there are international guidelines about how long you stimulate for how high that stimulation is turned up Um, and we screen our patients so we wouldn't give someone with epilepsy TMS because it could cause a seizure but if someone has no history of any seizure activity um, then no it's it's an incredibly safe um, technique which is one of the big pluses one of the big selling points for it. And Rebecca, um, do you have any data yet on long-term effects of brain stimulation in in the area of depression? Look, it's a really good question. We're starting to gather that data. Because it's such a new area, we don't have that far-reaching long-term data, no. Um, What we see in our clinics and in our trials is that the length of response is very variable. We have people who um, get well and come back, we've had people come back six years, a woman I'm thinking of come back six years later and say, I've been really great and, and now I've, I've gone downhill again, I need a top up. We have people who relapse quite quickly, who relapse a few months after treatment. The encouraging thing about TMS is in general, generally speaking, once someone's responded once, there's an excellent chance that they'll respond 
again. So some people have maintenance therapy. They'll just come in on a weekend every week or two and have a bit of a top up. Um, or other people prefer to just wait and then come back for a full course of treatment down the track. So there is that possibility um, to, to keep them uh, doing well. Fantastic. Uh, we might just go for some quick messages in a slum. Take a break. Um, I have a notice from the Anxiety Resource Centre Victoria. They have started a new prenatal anxiety group. It meets every third Tuesday of the month from 7.30 to 9pm at the Anxiety Recovery Centre. You can find out more on www.archvic.org.au. Welcome back. You're listening to Brainwaves on 3CR. We're talking to Rebecca Segrave, a research fellow from Monash and Alfred Psychiatry Research Centre. Welcome back, guys. Uh, Rebecca, can um, you please tell us more about your specific research that you do at MAPRC? Um, sure. So a lot of the work I've been doing more recently has been focused on transcranial direct current stimulation. So of all those many techniques that I mentioned, it's the gentlest. Um, and it's a really appealing technique because it's a fairly low tech compared to the others technique. It involves um, a, a very small generator generating an electrical current that's applied to the head via two electrodes that are held in place with a very unattractive headband. And the current just flows from one electrode to the other. You put your positive excitatory electrode on an area of the brain that you want to excite, so one that might be underactive in your mental illness. You put the negative inhibitory electrode over an area of the brain that you want to dampen down, perhaps one that's overactive in a mental illness. Um, and there's been a lot of interest in TDCS because compared to those other techniques, it's portable, it's very, very safe um, and it's cheap, so it's really appealing. It's something that you could give in remote and rural areas that don't normally get access to new mental health treatments. Um, so it's been tried for a whole range of brain-based conditions, including depression. And there have been now 12 clinical um, trials looking at TDCS for depression, so seven randomised controlled trials where it's comparing placebo and active, and five just open label, so no placebo trials. And all but one of those have shown a statistically significant antidepressant impact of this kind of treatment, which was really exciting. Um, but when we look at how effective the treatment is clinically, so that's when I say to someone, how much better did you get? Um, we find the results aren't as good as what we hoped for. About 10% of patients across those trials were achieving remission, so their depression is really gone. Um, and in terms of how big a change you see across people, it's around about a 30% reduction in their depression severity. So look, that's nothing to sneeze at, but we want to do better. So the work I've been doing has been trying to find out ways of how can we make TDCS work better than what it currently is. Um, and one of the ways that I've been investigating is combining it with brain training. So really specialised depression targeted brain training. Um, and it's not as out there as it sounds. Um, there's a, a, a form of brain training called cognitive control training. It's been developed by an American-based researcher, professor, um, Associate Professor Greg Siegel from University of Pittsburgh. And it's a really um, focused brain training program that tries to exercise part of the brain we know is really important in depression. And it's often underactive in depression. It's called the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex. Um, it's an area at the front of the brain, it's on the surface of the brain, and it's a really important control centre. So it's connected with um, lots of the other areas in the depression brain network. And it helps to control our emotions, so much deeper emotional areas in the brain. It helps to control our thoughts. And so when it's underactive, what it means is that we're not controlling our emotions very well. 
So we might have really strong emotions or really negative emotions and we're not able to regulate those in a healthy, helpful way. It can mean that we have negative thoughts that are going round and around in our mind and we're not able to put the brakes on those. Um, and it can mean that our thinking skills aren't as efficient um, and as sharp as what they are when we're not depressed. So a lot of treatments are trying to increase that, that activity in that area of the brain to help treat depression. And this cognitive control training is um, a brain training exercise, an activity you do on the computer that really engages that part of the brain, really requires you to concentrate and works it out. It's like a gym program um, for that part of the brain. And TDCS, that gentle stimulation, also tries to stimulate that part of the brain um, when it's given for depression. So you put that excitatory electrode over the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex. So um, the work I, I've been doing recently is saying, well, we've got this um, brain stimulation, which has some antidepressant efficacy if we stimulate the DLPFC. We have this brain training, which also has been shown to have some antidepressant efficacy if we stimulate the DLPFC. We know the brain training can actually enhance our thinking skills. That's something I should have mentioned. There's been a bit of excitement around this kind of brain stimulation because there's some evidence it can improve our thinking skills. What if we put them together? Are, are the two together better than either one alone? Um, and it may be that that's the case. Sometimes in science, things that seem logical don't always pan out. It might be that they cancel each other out um, or adjust the same efficacy if we put the two together. But I'm testing that at the moment in a, in a, research, a clinical research trial for depression at MAPRC. Um, and we did a, a pilot study last year and we looked at a really short treatment course. Just so one week, um, one week of daily treatment, people coming into MAPRC to compare those, the training, the stimulation and the combination. And we found really encouraging results. We got some really good antidepressant results. So we're doing a follow-up study now that's um, better testing this approach. So it's a three-week treatment course. Um, and so if anyone's interested in, in taking part, if anyone has depression and like to get in contact, we're looking yeah. for people to help us out. A few of us are sort of interested. Look, that'd be great. So if anyone is interested, just give us a call at MAPRC. Cassie Thompson is the um, coordinator of that trial and Cassie's on 9076-6592. Um, or you can just call MAPRC if you look on, on the website. Um, and Cassie's lovely. And so we, we're always grateful when people are willing to help us with our research by taking part in our trials because we can't develop new treatments without volunteers. Um, so if anyone would like to help us, we'd love to hear from you. And Rebecca, could you tell us about the upcoming De Costello run? Yep. What is the background and history to the run? Yeah, no, so that's a big event um, that's happening this Sunday. Um, the, the De Costello um, run for mental health has been part of MAPRC since 2009, but it has a longer history than us. So it was originally um, a fun run that was put on by Xavier College to celebrate the achievements of Robert De Costello, the famous Australian marathon runner, um, who also who went to Xavier. Um, and so it ran as the, the De Costello um, run for many, many years. Um, and the run then partnered with MAPRC as their, as their sort of charity partner in 2009. And since then, it's become our primary fundraising activity. So we, we certainly need um, all the, the funds that we can get to develop these new treatments. And MAPRC, uh, the De Costello Fund run is a big way that we raise funds. Um, and it's also an awareness event. It's where we can kind of talk to, to people, explain the research we do, um, and, and talk to people about mental health and mental illness in general, and really try and get those messages out to the community. 
And could you tell us a little bit more about what's happening on the day? I understand it's quite a family-friendly event. It's a very family-friendly event. Um, it's a really interesting event because it attracts quite a range of people. There's a lot of um, hardcore runners, um, very athletic types who are really serious runners who've come through the, the Xavier College um, connection. There's a lot of people who um, have had an experience of mental illness themselves or have had a family member who've had an experience of, of mental illness. Um, and there's a lot of people who are just curious and want to know more. Um, we have a lot of family-friendly events um, at, at the run itself. So there's a petting zoo and there's face painting and there's a jumping castle. We also have yoga um, and, and a big um, information store where people can meet the researchers and learn more about the research uh, that we do. And how, how much to enter and where, where exactly is it being held? Okay, so um, people can register online up until 5pm this Friday. So get online and just Google De Costello Fun Run and register. It's $50 for an adult. $40 for under 18 or child entrance um, or you can just come on the day so the proceedings begin at 6.30 um, in the morning this Sunday uh, fingers crossed for a sunny day um, and the runs at Kew Boulevard so all of the, the location information is on the website so just De Costello um, Fun Run um, and there's a, a 5k walk run uh, there's a 10k run there's a 15k run and there's a children's run so for the uh three and a half to ten year old aspiring runners there's an 80 meter dash oh no i can't <laughs> join in <laughs> i'm afraid you're a little bit over the age limit for, for that one um, but it's a really lovely run it's um along Kew boulevard it's really leafy and green so it's quite beautiful it's also quite challenging because a lot of fun runs have a really flat course. I've run this one before and there's hills, so be warned. But you don't um, have to run though, do you? You can just walk and exactly. whatever pace suits you. You can, absolutely. And a lot of people walk. We say, you know, we have people with strollers, we have people just taking these in walking, we have the serious runners. So it's a really interesting mix of people, really interesting mix of athletic pace and style or lack thereof. Um, and it's a, it's a big, increasingly a big event. And how much money are you hoping to raise from for MAPRC from this event? So our goal this year is to raise $100,000 to go towards the research. Um, and I think we're, we're on track. We've got a little way to go, but we're reasonably on track. And I say that because I checked the website this morning and we had $72,000 raised. Fantastic. I checked it again. I thought fantastic as well. And then I checked it again just before I came here about 40 minutes ago and it was already $79,000. So it's climbing rapidly, but our goal is is $100,000 for um, research and 250 uh, sorry 2500 runners that's what we're what we're aiming for so come along um, and and run and meet the researchers and take part fantastic thanks for coming along and tell, telling us all about that today Rebecca um, and thank you you guys for interviewing uh, we've been talking to Rebecca Segrave, a research fellow and clinical neuropsychologist from the Monash and Alfred Psychiatry Research Center you can listen to podcasts of our show at 3cr.org.au and on the iTunes store. Send us your feedback and thoughts or just get in contact, especially if you have a story, suggestions or topic you'd like to share. Email us at brainwaves at mifellowship.org. Uh, thanks for listening and be sure to tune in next week at 5pm for another episode of Brainwaves. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.